Father, we thank you that you are here by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here today. And we ask now that, Holy Spirit, you would just speak as you would wish to speak through the body. If there is anything you would wish to say this morning to us and through us. And we just wait in your presence. We just wait. always it can be a word or a picture thought said
just take a few moments just to be still in front of you. It may be for some of us the only time we've been still all week. But we just present ourselves to you this morning. the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not your benefits, who forgives your sin, who heals your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion who fills your days with good things, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed as the eagle. He performs righteous deeds and judgments to all who are oppressed. He is compassionate and gracious, mm, abounding, abounding, mercies are new every morning. But he also says, you'll not strive with us always. You'll not always contend with us. He hasn't dealt with us according to our sin. He hasn't rewarded us and awarded us according to our iniquities. But as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression from us. And this precious one is the word of the Lord. Sometimes uh, thankfulness is a pretty powerful thing all in of itself. 
God might call us to go across an ocean or climb a mountain or forge a new way in the wilderness um, to achieve his purposes and to achieve what it is that he wants to have done. And then sometimes he, all he wants is thankfulness. Uh, it's a very powerful form of spiritual warfare, especially when you're going through situations that there isn't a lot to be thankful for. Um, you have to step out of the situation and into the scriptural reality of what we are told is true regardless of what we see or experience. So thankfulness is not, it does not necessarily have to be based on anything we can even feel. It's just, it's based on the truth of who God is, what he has done, and what he is doing. And so thankfulness is a pretty powerful thing. Um, it, it takes out a whole bunch of things all at once when you're thankful. Uh, and it can take out disappointment, and it can take out criticism, and it can take out loss. It can take out all those things when you just are thankful that, God, you are with me. You are with us. You are somehow, some way, making a way. Uh, so it's and to remember who God is when everything else is trying to paint God in a different light. And uh, the world's in, in, in a tough place. It's in, you look out and you go, wow, <laughs> there's, some, there's some hard stuff going on out there. Um, but that's makes it even probably more important that we do what we did here today because what we did here today was a little microcosm is you just sit quietly. I don't know how many people sit quietly before God. I know in our tradition, we're very talky. We're very talky in our prayer. Um, but, and that's okay because sometimes you have to you have to just let it out. But there's something very powerful in the traditions of the meditative faith that just being quiet, literally just sitting in quietness before the Lord. And yeah, you'll think about your car and you'll think about the mortgage and stuff and just let those things go. But to, to be there and just be still and just be silent in front of God. Um, and with no particular revelation going on, no particular grace descending angels or anything, but just being quiet. There's something powerful to it. So, so amen. Uh, we, I want to pray this morning. Gertrude uh, went to, we all know Gertrude. She's been with us for so many years, like, like 40, 40 some odd years that I've known them. Um, but anyway, Gertrude is in the hospital. Uh, she had some really bad uh, chest pain, so they've admitted her this morning. So we're just going to take a minute and pray. Father, we pray for Gertrude, we pray. We know that you're with her, Father. We don't have to pray that you're with her. We know that you're with her. We know that uh, you saw this day uh, the same way you saw yesterday and the same way you see tomorrow. So, Father, we just pray your divine hand in this situation and that, uh, Father, all that can be done will be done and that she'll be, Father God, treated and that she'll continue according to your perfect will and your plan for her life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I think that's, uh, that's it. Tony is speaking today. So, come on up, Tony. And, uh, Father, we pray for Tony as he comes.
We pray once again that your word will be spoken, that you will give us the ability to understand, and that, uh, Father, your, your divine presence will be here as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, everyone. In Newfoundland, we say, Bona Vista, oh happy sight, just to look out and see you all. It is wonderful to be back in the house of the Lord. And last Sunday was a special Sunday, and God was in the house. And it, we're thankful, we're truly thankful that we are now allowed to gather together and to see our brothers and sisters once again. God gave me one phrase for this morning. God is in the house. Is God in the house this morning? Is God in the house this morning? Better, better. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is in Mosaic this morning. We brought him, he came, and he's here. When you came in through the door this morning, what were you expecting? Did you come believing that God will be, would be present? Or did you come out of habit, social, cultural duty? Or did you come to this place to see and sense and feel the living God? The best thing you and I could say this morning is, I came because I knew God would be in the house. We serve a living God. A God can be wherever we are. The house can be just ourselves, with a group, or within the world. Where there are believers, God is in that house, that group whatever. You know, in, both, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are many, many things where we see God is present. I want to read, I'm going to read two or three scriptures this morning. And the first one I want to go, turn to is Exodus 40, 30, verses 34 to 38. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of, went onward in their journey. And if the cloud stayed, then they did not move. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, the fire by night, and in sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all his journey. Interesting. This is Moses building the tabernacle. Moses was a servant, and yet he was a friend of God. He was obedient to the letter. 
in establishing that tab tabernacle, everything that God had laid out was done. There was an act of obedience. And in that, God revealed himself to Moses, and he showed him over his life many great and wonderful things. And God was present on the journey. You and I live in a day and age in which Christ is in our midst. He's not dead. He is alive. He is with us. And sometimes even when we don't feel him, he's with us. And his presence, like it was with the Israelites, is there to guide, to direct, protect, heal, provide everything that you and I may need. Not what we want, but what we need. And therein lies the difference. What I want may not be good for me. And I may not get what I want. There's a very wonderful piece of scripture, and it's found in Mark 2, 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, the people had heard he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word unto them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried, carried by four. They had not, could not get to Jesus because of the crowd. There were obstacles in the way. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Immediately, they, they began to question why God, uh, Jesus said, sins be forgiven instead of be healed. And Jesus knew what they were saying. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you to get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Every window, every doorway, every way, possible way into that building to see Jesus was blocked. There were obstacles. There was absolutely no way to get to Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus was in the house. They, in their ingenuity, said, I will get to Jesus. We'll just take out the bricks in the roof 
and lower him down. No surprise to Christ. He was there in the house. He saw a need. He responded to the need. No obstacle kept that man from Jesus. The crowd, the building, nothing. They found a way to Jesus. Sometimes you and I probably have obstacles that get in our way of getting to Jesus or getting into his presence. And sometimes we allow that obstacle just to prevent us from getting into that very special presence of Jesus Christ. Could that obstacle that we face prevent us, stand between us and what God wants to do? It can well be. I wonder, does sometimes the hindrance prevent us blocking our way from getting right with God? Our desperation will cause us to seek a way to come into his presence. When we're desperate, it's not going to hold us back. The one thing the sick man knew was that Jesus was in the house. And he used his friends to get to Jesus. You know, sometimes you and I need brothers and sisters to help us in our journey and to get into the presence of the Holy Spirit or to Jesus. Body ministry matters in getting in the divine presence of the divine one. And then in Acts 2, 1 and 4, very familiar passage to you all. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mus mus rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the day that the prophets that was prophesied by Joel and that Peter preached about. God was present in a, in because their obedience together, they did not forget, they did not have excuses, they gathered as God had asked them. And they waited. They waited much longer than we did this morning. But they waited. And the Holy Spirit came as God said it would way back in the Old Testament. And what was the outcome? Change happened. Change occurs in the presence of the Holy Spirit 
Jesus Christ, God the Father. Change happens. Those that were gathered in the house were changed. And so was 3,000 souls when Peter got up to speak. The power and the might and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, those were pr they were pretty weak prior to Pentecost. The one they had followed had died, risen again, and was going away. Well, you can imagine, they didn't fully understand everything. It's great for us. We already have the word. We can look back. They had nothing except the one they had followed was leaving them. And he wanted them to wait. Thank God they did. They weren't confused. They weren't fearful. And they weren't weak. Nor were they timid after they were in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes, he changes us. It was by the wooing of the Holy Spirit that you were able to believe God. there was a God, that he died for you, and that if you gave, uh, sur surrendered to him, he would forgive your sin, blot it out from the far as the east is to the west. That was God's first act on your behalf and my behalf in our journey of life. He came when we needed him. He wooed us because he loved us. Otherwise, why die? Why be crucified? Why shed the blood if it was not to redeem his creation, you and I? And you know, when we ask for bread, God does not give us a stone. May not be the kind of bread we wanted, but it will be the kind of bread that's right for us. And therein lies a big difference for you and I. We ask, and we don't get exactly what we wanted, and we can be just like the Israelites, complaining bitterly about all of these things. Well, that's that's not what I wanted. Well, guess what? It's what I needed that he gave me. Not what I wanted, but what's for best for me and also what is best that will change me to reach out to others. Because it's not just about me or you. It's about the community, the people we live in. And you know, that encounter with Jesus in the house things will change. Let's go back to the book of Mark for just a minute where we read about the Jesus in the house. If for some miraculous reason Jesus appeared in this building, there would be no room. There wouldn't even be standing room. That walkway would be blocked around the building, would be blocked because Jesus was in the house. Well, brothers and sisters, he's here 
in spirit. And when he's here in spirit, we don't have to worry. You know, you can have a big congregation, a large mega church, but if God is not in the house, it is useless to God and the kingdom. God will come when we invite him. And for some of you, you remember when we said we need to bring Jesus from the outside in and allow him to be the center of mosaic. He's still here. He's still in our midst. He's still in the boat. He's still guiding. He's still directing. And he is changing things, whether you know it or not. There are things in the spiritual realm that you and I cannot see that God is doing for you and for me. He is concerned about you and me. He is in the boat. He is in the midst. He is here to bring change. He is here to bring deliverance. He is here to free men and women and boys and girls. He is in the still in the miracle business. And when Jesus is in the house, miracles do happen. He has not changed. He's still the same. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I have not changed. He has not changed. The same way he ministered when he was on earth, he will still minister today. He is in the house to work on your behalf and my behalf and Fairview's behalf and Nova Scotia's behalf and the world. He is here to bring change, to bring miracles. When was the last time you and I saw a genuine miracle? There are many miracles. Some of them we wouldn't cast as miracles. But God moved and God changed the situation. God changed the life. He saved a soul. The greatest miracle in this world is when a soul gets saved. That is a miracle. There are other miracles and things that we've seen and experienced. Have you sat and watched a leg lengthen? I have. Have you stood and heard, put your hand on someone with a cast that was so tight their foot was turning blue and put your hand on it and prayed for them and the cast became too loose and circulation came back? I have. I've seen it but not to the manner I believe it can happen. I'm on a journey, and my journey is that we restore to the church of God that which is rightfully ours. God did not die in vain. He died that men and women would be free, that men and women would be freed from addiction, and immorality, from sin of all kinds, to save souls. That's why he died. Where Jesus is, the word comes forth. The word of the Holy Spirit. 
The words that we have as the Bible, it's the only truth there is. There's a lot of untruth and deceitful things happening in the world right now. The enemy would love, love to deceive us. The word will not fail. Why did I read three scriptures? Because if nothing else, the word of God is solid. The word of God is our foundation. And that reveals Christ to you and I. You know, without the word, there's no power. The word is our bread and our milk. The word is what inspires our faith. In many cases, people are starving, Christians, because of a lack of the word. When Jesus is present, I've got to be careful, I'm not supposed to move, and that's very hard. When Jesus is in the midst, radical faith is comes out. You know, they heard Jesus was in the house. And they believed that if they could get to Jesus, that guy was going to be healed. And they were prevented by the crowd. You know, you and I have a choice about crowds. We can be in the wrong crowd at the wrong time, or we shouldn't be. We can follow the crowd. But you and I need our own individual walk. Be aware of the crowd that's around us. Is it a crowd that's inspiring or is it a crowd that's denying? We need the crowd that inspires us and allows us to reach out and be radical. What is radical behavior? Well, there are times people think I'm radical, but they'd see nothing yet. Being radical means I don't care what people think. I will because it is God's will. There was a time in my life where I did care what people thought. It hindered a whole lot of things. Age is a wonderful thing. You begin to learn it don't matter. And you begin to understand you only got a few years left and you better make them count. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. Whether you're young or older. We only have so many days, so many years, and we have to make them count. So to be radical means I'm going to take God at his word, regardless of what I see, what I hear, I will believe my God. If God said it, I believe it. If God did it, I know he can do it again. And therefore, my faith will become more radical. I will become more compassionate. I'm telling you, 
I don't know what the Lord did to me over these last nine or ten months, but I'll tell you one thing. Everybody's pain and sorrow affects me very deeply. I carry their burdens. I weep their tears. A strange guy, a, a person I do not know, died. He was 19. I was in such agony of grief and pain for several weeks. Why? We are called to be burden bearers. I didn't know this young man. I knew the circumstances of his death. That was it. Tragic, tragic. God could have changed that situation, but I don't know there was an opportunity to, for God to even step in. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, when we allow God in the house and in our house, things will change. I'd far sooner carry someone's burden than I would to enjoy just everything. There is a difference. And I don't count myself as anything special. Believe me, I know all my faults and I know all my misses, but I know who God is. And I know that when he's in the house and in my house, I can do things I never thought I could do. I can believe for things that I never could believe. And then in spite of what I see, the word says, so therefore it can. And until God says, don't pray for that, don't do that, then I do it. Because the word says, and the word is a rock, our foundation. You know, in the presence of Jesus, there's forgiveness too. The, the young man, or the man that he healed, he talked about his sin. He wanted people to know he could forgive sin. Not just heal the body, but forgive his sin. The greater miracle was not so much that he was able to take up his mat, mat and walk, although I'm sure he appreciated it, and I'm sure he was bouncing out of the building, and he was happy that he was healed. But his sins that bound him were forgiven. Where Jesus is, sin can be eradicated. It said, the people said, we were all amazed, we glorify God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. You and I have the privilege of being in a body of believers. We've had the privilege of hearing the gospel, to respond to the gospel, or to not. He is here. His presence is here. He's here to provide power, life, hope, healing, miracles, salvation, and any other needs that we have. He is here. If Jesus is in this house, as you said he was, when we started, y'all said, yes, he's in the house. Well, if he's in the house, 
anything can happen. He did not arrive by accident. He arrived because he loves and cares for his kids. That's why he's here. And as we had worshipped him, and then the stillness that came, he was there in the stillness. Be still and know that I am God. It is Jesus that's going to make the difference for you and I. It's Jesus in the house that makes the difference. I believe Jesus was here this morning. I believe he came. He, he did not leave. He came. He was here for a purpose. He's here on your behalf and my behalf to minister in whatever way is needed. And he's standing here looking over the congregation and he knows and he sees everything that is needed and what will he do. There's a chorus that says, when Jesus passed by. It always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. The devil trembles. Oh, we need him trembling and we need him on the run, brothers and sisters. And it's only through the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ that he runs. He is afraid of the name of Jesus because God is the one who rode over him. And he has no power. He can do all kinds of things, but his, his real power has been gone. He is no longer. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. But he has no place in the house of God or in the life of a child of God. He has to flee. The enemy flees at Jesus' name. When Jesus comes upon the scene, he always shines a ray of light. You know, for some of you, it's been dark. For some of you, it's been a tough nine, ten, twelve months, year and a half, whatever. It's been tough. But there are times that Jesus has just come alongside and shone a light in the midst of the darkest hour. Never said a word. He didn't change the circumstances, but he let you know he was there and that you were not abandoned. The darkening clouds must fly when Jesus passes by. You know, it only may always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. And then the old chorus that you and I have all sang, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment your needs to supply. Reach out, touch the Lord as he goes by. The same way that Moses and the paralytic man and the people in Acts had to, number one, respond obey, and allow God to move. You know what? He's here this morning. 
If one of the, any of you have a need this morning, he's here. He is here to meet your need, regardless of what it is. We, don't, we have some restrictions based on COVID, but if you have a need and you want to come, come and we'll pray. Believing that the God who is in the midst will come and minister to you. I don't know. I know God put this on my heart for somebody a week and a half ago, and I've been living it since then, that God was in the house, and I don't know who's getting healed. Only God knows that. But you and I have to be obedient. We have to take a step and believe that what we're seeking, God is here to meet. If there's anyone, I'm going to pray. And if there's anyone who wants to come forward for prayer, you can come forward while I'm praying. Father, we thank you that you are here today. We thank you, Father, that you are in our midst, that you have said, I will do and be what is needed. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now and Holy Spirit, that you will minister to the hearts and souls as they come. And for those of you who are in the back, stretch forth your hand to those who have come, and we're going to pray. I'm going to, cut, I'm going to put my mask on, and I'm going to stretch my wrist forward.
I am the Lord your God. I am with you. I am with you. I have seen your tears. I have felt your pain. I have not forgotten you. I am walking with you. Fear not, little flock. I am the Lord your God. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God, he who is above all, in all. He, the Lord our God, has been faithful. He has been faithful, children. Brothers and sisters, regardless of what you feel, do not allow the enemy to destroy what God is doing. You can rest assured already the enemy would have you believe he did nothing. But I'm here to declare today God was in the house and God did something. And whether he just changed our attitude, that's a big thing, just to change our attitude. But you, my God and your God is alive and well, and he is to be praised. All honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, who came, who died, who went, descended into hell, who took the keys of death. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And guess what, brothers and sisters? He's coming back. And he's coming back for you and for me. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sickness. He will eradicate it all. And you and I will be in his presence forever. That which we suffer today is short-lived. But there is coming a day when there will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no limping and hobbling. It, we will be in our immortal bodies forever with the one who died to reclaim you and I. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. He alone is worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, soon coming back. Let us be ready. Let us be ready. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Well, brothers and sisters, I've run out of steam. Thank God, they said. God was in the house. I don't know what he did. Way back, God is in the house. And I thought, well, Lord, that ain't much. I don't know what to be doing with that. Peter. You see, when God is in the house, it's just so much easier. So much easier. There are no announcements. Do you want me to just finish up? He was alone on that cross. He was alone in that tomb. He knows what it is to feel alone. He knows exactly how you feel, whoever you are, to right. feel totally alone. Totally alone. Lord Jesus, you love this child so much. And they feel they're so sore, Lord, from feeling so alone. 
but you keep going and you said, Tony said alone twice when he was speaking that you want that child to know and all of us to know, we can know it, that we are not alone. Mm -hmm. We are never alone. Hallelujah. He is with us. He is in us. He will never leave us. Never, Hallelujah. never. It's just a forever lifetime commitment that he yes. will make yes, to you that he will never leave leave you. Just say his name, Jesus, Amen. and he will do the rest. Amen. Amen. Nothing worse than being alone. I remember the three years I was in a deep depression. I didn't feel God. I didn't hear him. His word made no sense. But after it was all over and I could look back, he was there all the time. And he brought me out. And he did not forsake me. It lifted. In time, it lifts. Uh, offerings. Uh, you can do debit at the back of the church. Uh, but for those who may be listening online, you can e-transfer. And you know what? It's been wonderful.